Dr. Jess Cap, and this is Storybook Earth. Welcome to Storybook Earth, a podcast that fuses science and storytelling, two of my favorite things, to bring you vibrant tales of notable Earth features, phenomena, and places, and the geological processes that make them what they are. From the tiniest minerals in the oldest rocks on Earth, to the giant asteroid that killed the dinosaurs, from the strange and mysterious trenches of the ocean to the romanticized top of Mount Everest, the stories in the chapters of Earth's long and beautiful history are all around us, just waiting to be told. When I meet new people and they learn that I am a geologist, often they ask, hey, I have this rock I found. Can you tell me what it is? or some version of that. It might be a fossil, or something they think is a fossil, or a hunk of something black and heavy that they're absolutely sure is a meteorite. Identifying the bits and pieces of stuff gathered on hikes and family outings is a default mode for us geologists, and most of the time we don't mind. After all, a lot of us geologists love rocks. Remember in episode two, I said it was possible to love rocks? Well. It absolutely is. And I love that being a geologist still seems novel to so many people. I mean, it's not every day you meet a geologist. We make up only about 0.01% of the U.S. population, after all. And we do lots of interesting things beyond studying rocks. But the truth is, so much of what we know about our planet has come from the intense scrutiny of rocks. And the best part about them is that they are everywhere. A lot of geologists start out as amateur rockhounds and fossil hunters, intrigued by rocks and minerals from a young age, and maybe even asking for a rock tumbler for a birthday present or a mineral identification kit. I was not one of those kids. I never gave rocks a second thought, didn't really even notice them in my day-to-day life. Now, I cannot go anywhere without noticing them. Gravel under my feet, boulders along a trail, spires of rock jutting into the sky, I am constantly sizing up the rocks around me, wondering what stories they have to tell. The cool thing is, there are a few simple observations anyone can make about rocks that can help them start to put together the story. In other words, almost anyone can begin to read the rocks. Some basic characteristics can tell us what type of rock they are, where they came from, and what they might have been through before ending up in your yard or your neighborhood park. Of course, there are exceptions, and some rocks have really complicated histories that are tough to decipher by just rolling a chunk of it around in your hand. But a lot of what you find while out and about can be pretty interesting, and all you need is your naked eyes and a dash of curiosity. So let's revisit something you most likely heard about in middle school, the three types of rocks. Igneous, sedimentary, and metamorphic. I have a favorite, but I won't reveal that just yet. Let's start with the rocks that were the beginning of all solid rock on Earth, the igneous rocks. Igneous. It comes from the Latin word ignis, meaning fire. Rocks that form from cooling and solidifying of magma or lava are called igneous. 
Magma is just melted rock. Now, rocks don't melt very easily. And contrary to popular belief, there is not a large reservoir of magma anywhere on Earth. No layer of magma somewhere deep down beneath our feet. Instead, it is found in small pockets around the globe, often in places where two tectonic plates share a boundary, but we'll talk more about that in another episode. But when Earth was first forming, it was largely molten, in other words, made of magma. And as it cooled, it formed a crust of rock on its surface. Think about hot soup you leave cooling on the stovetop, and it starts to form that semi-hard film on top. These were the first igneous rocks on Earth. Today, igneous rocks are forming in many different places, like the Big Island of Hawaii, where magma makes its way to the Earth's surface and erupts. Oh, and once it erupts, we call it lava. More on that in the lava episode of Backyard Geology if you're intrigued by flowing hot rock. Because lava is at Earth's surface, where the ambient temperatures are way cooler than the red-hot lava is, they cool pretty quickly into what we call a volcanic rock. In other places, magma stays beneath the surface and cools more slowly, insulated a bit by the warmth of Earth's interior, into what we call plutonic rock. The cool thing is that there's a fairly simple way to tell the difference between these two types of igneous rocks. It's all about what we call their textures, that is, the size of the crystals that grew as the magma or lava cooled. Now, because volcanic rocks cool rather quickly, they don't have time to grow large crystals, and so we say they have a fine-grained or glassy texture. You might be able to see some tiny crystals in a volcanic rock if you move it around in the sunlight and look for little flashes of light bouncing off the little crystal faces, or if you have a small magnifying glass, you can hold up to it. Plutonic rocks, on the other hand, have time to slowly grow their crystals, creating a coarse texture with individual crystals that are plenty big enough to see and distinguish with the naked eye, some as big as your fingernail or even larger. Whether in a magma or a lava, the crystals are growing in a fluid, taking up space as they go and growing into each other, often interlocking. So if you find a rock that has what appears to be large interlocking crystals in a hodgepodge pattern, you're likely looking at an igneous rock that cooled slowly beneath Earth's surface. If you find a rock that looks like glass, or is one solid color with crystals that you really have to squint hard to see, or maybe you can only see with a magnifying glass, you probably have a rock that came from material escaping a volcano, like hot, flowing lava. Sometimes you'll find a rock that has small grains, but the grains look more like grains of sand or pebbles or fragments of rock that are all stuck together, more so than individual crystals that are interlocking with each other. So if you see a rock that you could describe as looking like it is made up of bits and pieces of other rocks, then you hold in your hands our second type of rock, sedimentary. Sedimentary rocks are made of stuck-together sediments, bits and pieces of solid earth material that is moved and deposited. That material can be cobbles or pebbles of existing rocks, sand grains, bits of broken-down shells, 
silt or clay particles, even dust particles, and the microscopic skeletons of ocean critters. Anything that is moved by water or wind or ice and eventually settles where it is compacted over time and eventually lithifies into a rock. This process of compaction and lithification is what turns it into that rock, and it takes time. Usually sediments are buried by more and more sediments, causing the ones on the bottom of the stack to begin the process of compaction and lithification. Some sedimentary rocks are really easy to identify, like sandstones. They literally look like chunks of sand grains all stuck together. And conglomerates that look like rocks made of a collection of other rocks. But others, like limestone, can be trickier. They don't usually have pieces that are easily recognizable with your naked eye. They often just look like dull gray rocks with very little texture to them at all. But perhaps the greatest thing about sedimentary rocks is that they're the only rocks that can contain fossils. So if you find a rock with a fossil in it, you've got yourself a sedimentary rock. And right away, you know that the rock in your hand is the result of the breakdown of some pre-existing rock somewhere, maybe a mountain weathering down or a boulder crashing down a cliff into small pieces. Those pieces then traveling some distance and eventually settling in a new place where they were buried and cemented and lithified into a new rock. Sedimentary rocks carry stories within them of the rocks that came before them. A cool trick you can use to begin telling the story of a rock, if you're sure it is sedimentary, is to look at the shape of the grains that make up the rock. Are they large or small? Are they angular and jagged or round and smooth? Large, jagged bits and pieces in the rock tell you that those pieces, what we call the sediments, haven't traveled very far from their origin. Because the farther the pieces go, the more their edges are worn off as they roll through a riverbed or grind along the bottom of a moving glacier. In contrast, if the bits are small and rounded, smooth and spherical, you know those sediments had a long journey before becoming the rock you hold in your hand. If you've ever been to Sedona, Arizona, you have gazed upon walls and walls of red sandstone composed entirely of rounded sand grains that were blowing around as active sand dunes over 200 million years ago. You may have heard somewhere that Earth is always recycling its rocks. In other words, there aren't many rocks on Earth that are exactly the same as when they first formed billions of years ago. Earth is constantly changing because of erupting lavas forming new igneous rocks, rocks at Earth's surface being broken down by rain and wind and ice, and those sediments being moved to new locations, and finally, rocks being pushed down deep into the Earth or squeezed between two moving plates. This brings us to our third type of rock, the metamorphic rocks. Metamorphic rocks, hmm. You can probably make a guess at what these rocks are all about just based on their name, which comes from the word metamorphosis. Rocks that change in the solid state are called metamorphic rocks. But what does that mean? It means they might experience heat, but they don't melt. They don't break down into smaller pieces or sediments. 
but they do change in response to being heated up or perhaps subjected to pressure somewhere beneath Earth's surface. The change can manifest in different ways, but one of the coolest things that can happen is that the rock's chemical components can mobilize and regrow into new minerals that weren't there to begin with. One great example is the gorgeous deep red mineral garnet that is sometimes seen in metamorphic rocks. A great clue we can use to identify a rock as metamorphic is to see if the rock has what we call a fabric. Does it look like the minerals are all aligned in some way? Does the rock look like a stack of thin sheets all oriented in the same direction? Is the rock banded with alternating light and dark ribbons of minerals all oriented in the same way? Is it platy or flaky? If so, it is likely you are looking at a metamorphic rock. And you can start to tell the story of how that rock was at one time somewhere deep in the earth and then made its way to the surface where, by a lovely stroke of luck, you are finding it today. Our planet is constantly changing and the solid rock that makes it up are part of that change. Rocks don't usually stay the same forever. Igneous rocks get squeezed into metamorphic rocks. Metamorphic rocks break down into pieces that eventually become sedimentary rocks. Sedimentary rocks can melt and become igneous rocks. Even igneous rocks can melt and become new igneous rocks. This is what we call the rock cycle. And it has no rules. Any rock can become any type of new rock. It just depends on what processes it is exposed to. Intense heat, increased pressure, rain, ice, and wind. Rocks are always experiencing something, and that puts them in a constant state of flux. So the next time you're outside, take a look at a rock you might normally walk right past without a second glance. Can you begin to tell what type of rock it is? If so, you can write the first sentence or two of its story. I bet you can do it. It's why I love them so much. They are so generous with sharing their experiences. Oh, I almost forgot. So which type of rock is my personal favorite? Well, that's easy. Igneous, of course. The fiery, melty, original rock type igneous. I love igneous rocks so much. Next time, we'll talk about what the color of an igneous rock can tell you. Just another level of complexity we can add to their stories. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, please consider subscribing, liking, writing a review, and sharing this with a friend or two. Thanks to our listeners and supporters. Special thanks to Michaela Moore for music, sound editing, and design and to Pierce Ware for the artwork. The Geology Podcast Network is sponsored by Traveling Geologist. Mm -hmm.